Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. There's a verse on my heart that I want us to look at. And uh, then, of course, we'll look at some other verses as well. But in Ephesians chapter 5, it says in verse 17, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. As you know, we are living in a time of revival, we're living in a time of restoration. Uh, generally speaking, we've referred to these days as the days of the Word and the Spirit. That's what God is emphasizing in last, these last days. The, the, the previous great revival or notable revival that came to the church was the revival of the Word of God. It started in the 1970s and uh, the Word of Faith uh, doctrine and the teaching of the Word of God began, began to be uh, emphasized by the Spirit of God and there was a great revival concerning the Word of God. But then uh, uh, in more recent times, the Spirit of the Lord has been uh, emphasizing the move of the Spirit in connection with the Word. So we don't, you never leave the word, but then there's an outpouring of the spirit and, and, and just a, a, an, in, uh, an emphasis and, and much understanding and revelation concerning the operation of the spirit. Well, we need to have both of those together and that's what God's doing in these last days. This great revival, this end time revival is a revival of the word and the spirit working together. Thank God for the foundation we have in the word. Thank God for the foundation that we have uh, and the assurance of the truth of God's word that we can found and base all of our experiences on the word. And we found that the spirit always, during all of these years, he's always acted, responded, manifest himself, manifested himself in line with his word. He always has, he always will. And the word of God is our guideline, isn't that right? And so uh, we're in the time of revival and it's a time of the word and the spirit. Well, in a time uh, uh, like we're living in, I don't know anything any more important than knowing the will of God for your life. Amen. It says, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, to, to not understand what the, the will of the Lord is would be unwise. And he said, he said, don't be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ who still struggle with understanding the will of God, understanding how the Spirit of God would lead and, and direct them. Uh, people are, are most often looking for the Spirit of God to lead them in some dramatic way. And so uh, sometimes it takes, I've noticed that it takes uh, oftentimes years of hearing it over and over and over 
trying to grasp it, trying to lay hold of it, but just hearing it again and again and again for, for people to finally understand what it is to be led by the Spirit, how the Spirit leads. I found out that when people finally recognize it, it it's, it's a moment of, of, of uh, 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 it's, a, it's a moment of, of awareness where people go, oh, I've had that all along. I just wish, I wish somebody had, had better explained to me how simple it is. Being, knowing the will of God, following the spirit of God is the simplest thing in all of the Christian life. That was a weak amen. The response would indicate that your, your attitude was, well, theoretically. <laughs> but I'm telling you, being led of the spirit is the simplest thing in all of Christianity. Amen. Now you're getting a little better because I've mocked you a little bit, but, but you'll see what I'm talking about. It is not difficult. It is not mysterious. And like I said, when, when people, find, when people it, 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 they finally get the understanding of it, uh, almost nine out of 10 times, it's like, oh yeah, it, it really is that easy. It, I really have had the spirit of God lead me. But you see, so often we're looking, you know, for some kind of, of, of otherworldly kind of, of uh, uh, action on God's part. You know, God speaking to me, leading me. It's just not that weird. It's not that mysterious. But part of that comes from our, our training in the world. I heard somebody in quite a number of years ago, probably 30 years ago, some guy was on television and and he was referring to a prominent figure. I don't remember if it was a politician or it was somebody prominent. And it might have been, it might have been a religious figure. But this person had said something about God had spoken to him. And, and the person, the commentator, whoever it was that was talking, he said, I don't know about you, but that kind of, the idea of God speaking to a preacher, that kind of scares me. The idea that God speaks to him. I heard another preacher said, what scares me is preachers that God doesn't speak to. That's what we ought to be scared of. I mean, can you imagine a man of God that doesn't hear from God? A preacher with the voice of God, the message of God, God never talks to him? That's, that, that's absurd. But see, it comes from that idea that, that we have picked up along the way, even if you're a Christian, if you live in this world, these, these ideas, it's called the philosophies of the age, these things are communicated all around us and to us all the time. And we pick up some of these things that, you know, God is, you know, this, uh, un, most, most people are that, that have this point of view, they don't really believe in God or they think God is just something that can't be explained, you can't know him, you know, and who are we? Who are you? Who am I for God to be talking to me? But if you are born again, you know that the relationship between man and God is not like that. It's very, very personal. 
that God has an interest in every single one of us. And when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a personal thing between you and God. And he's, he, he's looking at you. He's talking to you. He's acting on your behalf. It's between you and him. It's not a general thing. It's a personal thing. The new birth is a personal experience with God. And uh, it's just the nature of God that he is so great and he is so complex and he is so uh, unexplainable that he can yet talk to me and to you. And he, and he knows you and he knows everything about you and he's interested in you as if you were the only one out there. Isn't that marvelous? But that's absolutely the truth. Well, we know that and so that understanding ought to affect the way we think about and how we learn about how God speaks to us that he is personal and that, and that the Spirit of God will lead us individually, each one of us, just as surely as he'll lead anybody else, he'll lead you. Amen. Let me correct that. Just as sure as he'll lead anybody else, he is leading you. But learning to recognize that takes some re-education. We have to renew our mind, isn't that right? So go over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and let's look at the first two verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, this fits in very much with what I've been talking about, about uh, the restoration of the character of Christ. But we won't, we won't go back to that subject right now. Verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. Boy, there's a lot, there's a lot in that statement. Amen. Do not be conformed to this world. We're not of this world, folks. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We were born from another place. On the 14th day of December in 1952, I was born into this earth in the, in the natural realm. My mother gave birth to me uh, those many years ago. But when I was born again, I took, something else happened to me. And I was born again, and this time I was born from above. Well, I'm in this world my because my spirit that got born again is still in the house that the old man lived in. Remember I talked about that not long ago. My wife and I have a, have a house, you know, that somebody else used to live in. And, and the previous owner, one of the previous owners was weird. Remember me talking about that? He's, it's very weird. Well, we don't have to be weird just because he was. We're, we're, we own the house now. My wife lives in this house, so we don't have to do the things that the weirdo did before. Amen? We don't have to be, there's no influence there. There aren't any goblins there from him. There's no ghost there from him. There's, there's nothing left because he moved out and we moved in. Well, when you were born again, the old man moved out and you moved in and it's your house now. Amen. Amen. But... Uh, your mind didn't get renovated immediately. That's something you do on an ongoing basis with the Word of God. 
And some of the old patterns of thinking will try to prevail and try to hold you into bondage to the, the life and the attitudes of the old man. And this is why he tells us, do not be conformed to this world. The old man was of this world. Do not, don't be conformed to that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's as we renew our minds with the word, as we take the word of God and put it back in and put it back in and feed it back in and feed it back in and feed it back in because it's not only the things of the old life, there are things in the world today that continually try to get into your mind. Yeah. Attitudes, thoughts, ideas, philosophies of this age, they're always preaching it. They're always selling it. They do everything they can to persuade people uh, of, of the way of this world and the thoughts of this world and, and so forth. And so you continually have to renew your mind. It's not a one time in your mind is renewed situation. I said it's not a one time renewal of the mind and then you're done. That's not how it works. Be renewed. He said be, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For most Christians, because most Christians still have not been taught according to the Bible. That's the truth. Most Christians today still uh, are not taught what the Bible says on a lot of things. And the idea of being able to prove what is the good and acceptable and even perfect will of God. This word prove uh, means to discern, to know, to understand, that you might discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Most Christians only dream of such a thing. To them, that's just, that's just something that, at the very best, it's something that they hope to be able to achieve. But he said if you renew your mind with the word of God, you can, you can discern the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. You know, some things are good, some things are just acceptable. But then there are perfect things. See, the will of God for us sometimes is, we, we like to say it this way, this is, my, this is a, a little better way to put it in our terms. Sometimes Christians operate in the permissive will of God. He allows us to do certain things. It's not his best for us, but he allows it. And a lot of that is based on where we are spiritually. You know, he takes uh, consideration uh, and, and, and he considers, let me say it that way, he considers where we are spiritually. That's why sometimes in uh, situations where people are not really contemplating the perfect will of God. They're contemplating between one or two uh, choices that are less than the will of God, the perfect will of God. Sometimes God will lead them to do one or the other, and neither one of them is his perfect will. But you see, they're not, they're not even open. They're not, they don't have it, they've not been exposed to certain things. For instance, you might find a church somewhere that... Uh, well, you not might, you would, but you know, we'll just say there's a church and they're praying over a new pastor. 
Well, it could be that everything about the way that whole scenario is set up is not even scriptural. And a lot of times it's not. I read about one, one man years ago and he, he was talking about the procedure whereby churches choose their pastors. And he said, you know, God has little to, or to nothing to do with all of this. He's just not involved in it at all. People select pastors, you know, and they have committees and they interview pastors and, and, uh, and consider all kinds of things. And that's not the way God set up his church. That's not, there's, there's nothing New Testament about that. I read a, a book by uh, Dr., I don't remember his first name or initials. His, his last name was Criswell. And he was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, many, many years ago. In fact, his, he, he, followed, uh, he followed another pastor that was one of the premier preachers of, of uh, the middle 20th century, one of the, one of the most outstanding preachers. And uh, Criswell, Criswell came in behind him. He was a very uh, noted, eloquent man. The, the previous pastor, like I said, renowned uh, in conferences all over the America and the world. Uh, uh, one of the, like I said, one of the most profound and, and, and most eminent preachers. Well, Criswell came in behind him and accepted the, uh, the pastorate of the First Baptist Church. I bought his book on uh, uh, guideline for pastors or something. It was a, a book on pastoral theology. I bought it, I guess, the first year I got out of Ramah. And that book was such a blessing to me in those early days. I mean, there was so much wisdom from this man that had pastored all these years. But he made this statement. Now, this is what the, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, said back in the 50s. He said, the idea of a church board that picks and chooses their pastor and governs the church. He said that idea, he said, is as strange and, and uh, uh, as, as unthinkable as having Hitler and Mussolini running your church. That's what he said. I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, something to that effect. He used the word Hitler and Mussolini and, you know, and Stalin, I think. He said, it's that bizarre, the idea that a church board of men that aren't anointed of God, aren't called to pastor, that they would run a church. But I said all, I'm not trying to get on all of that, but what my point is, you have a church like that, say, and they're selecting a pastor, and that's all people know. That's all they know. They don't, I mean, they, they think of a church situation like we have and they think that's, that's the craziest thing where one man just, you know, directs a church. I mean, that, that, they can't even think of that. Well, they're, they're honest and sincere people. God understands where they are. They begin to pray. God will give them direction. I mean, if their hearts are real, he will actually move in that situation and nothing about it is his perfect will. None of the candidates are his perfect will. He didn't select the candidates anyway. Nope. Somebody else did on qualifications that, that uh, uh, were not of his making or his design or his, his uh, uh, care. But he will direct them if they're seeking him. That's what I'm saying is God will, God takes where we are, he takes that into consideration and, and sometimes he allows us to do things. And so that's why this talks about the good, the acceptable, but the perfect will of God. I, once you know more, you are responsible for more. 
Once you've been enlightened along some lines, you can't get by with the permissive will of God very long. The longer you stay in the permissive will of God, the less permissible it becomes. Because when you know more, he expects you to move out of that. Amen? So, so I said that to say this, much of the church world, the idea of the perfect will of God, uh, they're not, they don't even think that that's possible. But it is possible. And it's not only possible, it's simple. It's simple. He will make his will known to every single one of us concerning everything of, of importance in our life. That's good to know. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, now, he's not hiding his will from us. He's revealing his will to us. Now, the most important aspects of the will of God for your life have already been revealed in the word of God. There's some things you don't need direction from the Spirit. The Spirit will simply, in, in these areas, He will direct you in line with the Word of God and He will take you to the Word of God. And so there are some things you already know because you know the Bible. It's the will of God that you be saved. It's the will of God for all men to be saved. There's, we don't have to pray about that. You, it, you've never, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to guarantee no one in this room has ever thought about a sinner thought about ministering them, and wondered if it was the will of God for them to be saved. No, you know better. So there are certain things like that that the Bible tells us clearly we know what his will is and we don't have to pray about it. In fact, if you pray about things that are so clearly revealed in his word, if you question them and pray, you open yourself up to be deceived by the devil. You have no reason to be praying whether certain things are the will of God because you have his word for it. And the reason people do that sometimes in some areas is because they don't want to accept what the Bible says. So they're looking for a second opinion. Yeah, they'll get it. The devil will, will uh, certainly uh, provide that second opinion. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's the will of God for everybody. Not everybody understands that. But more and more people do. More and more people do. The latest stats that I read uh, just recently, and this was from a Pew Research uh, document, and I think it was from 2000 and, it was either 2011 or 2013. I just read it the other day. It was a Pew Research on the different denominations, and it was all about Christianity in the world, the world picture. And there are nearly 600 million believers who uh, identify themselves as charismatic or Pentecostal. 25% of all Christians in the world now. 25%. And just like 9.8, almost 10% of the entire population of the earth are tongue talkers. Now you do realize that when they take surveys about Christians, and it talked about all of the Christians in the world, that a lot of people that identify themselves as Christians are not Christians like we would think of. They've never been born again. So when it says that figure of, uh, but, but let, me, let, me, let me add this, that's true where people are concerning Christianity. They'll say, well, I'm a Christian. They, in other words, they're not a Buddhist, they're a Christian. They, go, they live in America, they must be Christian. But 
when it comes over to people identifying themselves as Pentecostal and, and, or charismatic, you don't have that problem. People that, people that are Pentecostal or charismatic have been born again. And, and, and that's not just something, they don't, they don't consider them Pentecostal because their parents were. You see what I'm saying? Or, or because they live in a Pentecostal neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? And so that figure is very, so when you consider that, the fact that 10% of the world's population is, is uh, or, or 25% of the church world is Pentecostal. It's really a larger percentage than that because the overall numbers of all Christians, a lot of them aren't even saved. So I said that to say this, Christianity is growing. But inside Christianity, you, you wouldn't know that listening to the news here. You listen to the news in America, you think the church is in decline, Christianity's on the verge of being made irrelevant, it's passing away. You, know, you go to other continents, not just countries, but entire continents. The African continent is ablaze with the Spirit of God. I mean from, from stem to stern, from one coast to the other, it is ablaze with the power of God. It's been the most phenomenal thing in the last 25, 30 years, what's happened in, in the nations of Africa. Then, then it, it's just mind-boggling how, boggling how Christianity and, and in particular Pentecostalism has exploded. See, the church is growing, but Pentecostals and, and, the, and the understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is really increasing in the world. Amen. And so uh, a lot more people understand that just like it's the will of God for us to be saved, it's the will of God for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible gives us a lot of other things. We know sanctification is the will of God. Isn't that right? According to the Bible. We know that a life of thanksgiving and praise is the will of God. We know that healing is the will of God. And, and that's clearly revealed. You don't have to pray whether, and a lot of people still do. A lot of people pray, Lord, if it be your will, he'll heal, you know, Aunt, you know, Susie. But we never pray that way because we know the will of God. Prosperity, victory, and, and authority, and so forth. And so there are some things and many things in life, the, the most fundamental, the most important things in life, we already know what the will of God is. But what about, what about those other areas in life? And I've preached on this over the years many times. I, I went back and looked at my records. I haven't preached on this since 2011. And uh, on being led of the Spirit. And... Uh, I was kind of shocked. I went through all of the, the notes and all of the stuff on the website and list all my messages and went down and it had been like February of 2011. Uh, most people, when it, when it comes to seeking the will of God for direction in life, they're looking in the wrong place. Most people looking in the wrong, they're looking completely in the wrong direction. You know, if, if you remember that game you used to play when you were a kid? Somebody started looking for something. They said, you're getting colder. You're getting colder. Some people are just, they're, they're, I mean, they're frozen over <laughs> where they're looking for answers because it's not coming from that realm. Most people are looking for circumstances. They're, they're, they're looking for what's going on around them and, and, and what happens to them and, and so forth to be an indication of, what, of how God's leading them. Some people still have this idea that uh, they say, well, I just, believe everything I just believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah, everything does happen for a reason. A lot of times the reason is you just make bad choices. 
Isn't that right? Yes, everything happens for a reason, but it's not, that doesn't mean that God's in it. I heard somebody say this, the only, the only way that, every, that everything that happens to me could be God's will, the only way that everything that happens to me could be God's will is for everything I have ever done to, been, to have been God's will. Well, just put yourself in that. <laughs> you can tell that not everything that, that happens is the will of God because you certainly haven't always done the will of God. Amen. And so people, are, people always take that verse of Scripture over in Romans. We're, we're here in the 12th chapter. Go back to the 8th chapter. Romans chapter 8. Verse 28, they take that out of its setting. And that verse says, For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, for those, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so they say, well, you know, everything God is in, you know, every, God works everything out. Everything that's happening works to my good. But that, that verse of scripture cannot be taken out of that setting and used to apply to everything in life. And, and you know, when I taught uh, months ago about discerning false, true and false doctrine, I said, you have to be very careful to interpret Bible in light of its context. What's it talking about when it says that? That's like, that's like that scripture over in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and now all things are of God. Well, if you just take that verse out of its setting, all things are of God. Everything in the world's not of God. No. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new, and all things are of God. It's the all new things that are of God. Not everything. Well, this verse here, when it says that, that all things work together for the good of those who, who uh, uh, love God, you have to go back to the previous verses. He's talking about uh, in the Spirit, how the Spirit helps us in our, in our praying and so forth. Verse 27, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things, that is all things that, that are, have to do with the intercession of the Spirit. Do you see that? Hallelujah. This is why I wasn't shaking a lot of hands tonight. I wasn't trying to be rude. Hallelujah. Thank God. People have the idea that, uh, you know, everything's just going to work out. Everything's just going to work out. God's just, you know, he, he, everything that happens, he has a plan. He has a purpose. God has a plan, but not everything that happens is part of that plan. Amen. And then there are people that believe in the open doors and the closed doors. Bless their hearts. Huh? Open doors. Well, I, I, you know, the, I'm just believing the Lord will open the door for me or, you know, I was going to go a certain direction, do a certain thing, but God closed that door. You've heard me talk about the lady who used to cut my hair. She was the worst I think I'd ever heard. You know, she was always talking about open doors and closed doors. God was opening this door, closing that door, and she and her daughters, you know, they were trying to decide, you know, what to do with their daughters were college age and trying to decide where to go to college. And then later, you know, after they graduated from college, what kind of direction they were going to take in life. And they'd start to go one direction, and it would seem that that just suddenly didn't work out. Well, God closed that door. They're, they're sort of like, you know, to me, they remind me of, of the ping pong ball. 
They're just kind of going from like buying, 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 bouncing, you know, from closed door to closed door, just looking for an opening somewhere, you know. And uh, God, God has a better way than that. Amen. People go by their feelings. Well, I just feel like the Lord heard me. Boy, that's a classic in the Pentecostal churches. Every, a lot of people were based, you know, they were driven by their feelings. If I heard one, that once, I heard it a hundred times growing up in my own household. Well, I just feel like the Lord heard me. What was meant was I was praying and, and I just suddenly felt, you know, just some exuberance and, and, and uh, some goosebumps. And I just, that was the sign that God heard me. Well, the sign that God heard me is that I'm his child. And when I talk to him, he hears me. Whether I feel like it or not. Amen. Go with me over to, uh, well, we're right here in the 8th chapter. Let's look at verse 14. Hallelujah. 8.14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That, that, the way that's worded, to me, uh, kind of obscures a little bit of the power or the, or the directness of what he's actually saying. For as many as are led. A lot of modern, in fact, most modern translations read some variation of this. All those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. That's what that's really saying. All those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. We'll say it again. All those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. That tells me God leads all his children and he doesn't have another way of leading them. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children. Not some who are led by fleeces. Not some who are led by their feelings. Not, of, not, not most who are led by the Spirit and the, let, the, less, the rest of them are led by circumstances. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. God has only one way. I'm, and you understand I'm talking beyond his word. We're, we, we don't need the Spirit's direction uh, when we have the Word on something, except in the sense that the Spirit enlightens us and shows us what the Word says and how to apply it in our life. Thank God for that. But I'm talking about in those issues of life where there's not a direct Word from the Bible. He, God only has one way of leading His children. Just one way. He doesn't have an alternative way. One way, the Spirit. And, and, and the, spirit, the Spirit leads us from where He is. He leads us from where He is. People, are, people a lot of times are struggling over uh, trying to figure out the Spirit's leading. Well, I know He said He'd lead me, but, but how? Well, you know, He has one way. It's easy. It's easy. That's good news. There's only one way he leads. He has a, God has a unique, let's put it this way. God has a unique, a unique way of leading his own children that is not available to the world. God's, let me say it again. God's way of leading us is unique to us. It's not available to people in the world. Let 
Why? Because believers have a unique capability to be led by the Spirit of God. Because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. I heard of, and sometimes you'll read people, they'll make comments about, say, maybe somebody you know, you know, that's unsaved, and they'll, sometimes saved people will be guilty of this. They'll say, you know, I was down by the ocean. You know, I was over on the Gulf, and I was just sitting watching the sunset, and I just, I just sensed God's presence in the sunset. I just, I could just feel God's presence. God's not in the sunset. I mean, understand, God's everywhere. I understand the, the uh, omnipresence of God. He's everywhere. But anybody can supposedly feel the presence of God looking at a sunset. Whether it's gator blue and orange or whether it's Seminole garnet and gold. It doesn't take anything. You don't have to be saved to have a warm and fuzzy feeling at a sunset. And, and imagine that, that God's talking to you. Now, if somebody said, I was down at the city dump and I sensed the presence of God. Now, I might be willing to listen to that. <laughs> I mean, in the midst of the flies and the seagulls and you sense the presence of God, I might want to talk to you. Okay, because that, that might be real. I had a friend one time that, that he and I were, were hippies together. His wife and and he and his wife and my wife and I, we had our babies at about the same time. And, and uh, we, would, uh, we spent a lot of time, you know, with each other. And, and uh, he moved away. His parents, his wife's parents owned a, uh, an apple farm in Pennsylvania. And, if, you, and if, if any of you that are left over from those days, you know, you know, the hippie days, the idea that you could move to Pennsylvania and, and live on a farm. And he knew, my, my friend knew nothing about farming. He was, he was a city boy. But he moved away with his wife to her parents, you know, farm in, in Pennsylvania. And, and to me, that was just the coolest thing. Man, he's gone to, you know, live on an apple farm, 75-acre apple farm. Well, he didn't farm any apples. He made toilets when he got there. That's the truth. Is that right? He, he, worked, he worked in the coal mines, but for a while, he, he worked somewhere making toilets. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but he told me one time, after I got back into fellowship with the Lord, he and I were talking, and, and, uh, and I was witness. Actually, my wife and I went up there to, to visit him, and uh, he and his wife. And, and uh, he, was, he said, I was out in the orchard the other day, and God spoke to me. I said, really? I had gotten back to the fellowship of the Lord. I said, what did he say to you? He said, he, kinda, he wasn't prepared for that question. And he kind of made up something. I could tell by expression. He said, well, he, he said, he loves me. And I and uh, I knew I, did, I had to be real careful here. I don't want to alienate him, but I didn't tell him everything I thought at the time. But I thought that wasn't God speaking to you. I said that wasn't God. That wouldn't. That's not what God would tell you. You're lost. You're going to hell, and God's going to tell you, "I love you, son. Everything's all right." No. <laughs> now, if he'd have said, "I love you," and I sent my son Jesus, now now that would have been the Spirit of God. But my point is, you know, he's, in a, he's out in the apple orchard with the bees and the flowers and the trees and he thinks God's spoken to him in the sunshine and the birds singing and maybe a little more substance, you know. <laughs> but a lot of people are led by these things in the natural and that's not, that's not where God is. He's not in the sunset. He's not in the bees and the flowers and the trees and the birds and that's not where he's at. 
He leads us by His Spirit. And where is His Spirit? He's in, for He dwells with you. John 14, Jesus said, for He dwells with, talking about the Spirit, for He dwells with you and He will be in you. 1 Corinthians 6, whom we have from God who is in us. He's in you. Well, if he's in me, why is he going to have to use the sunset to get something across to me? What if it's, what if it's raining on the day I need a direction from the Lord? <laughs> and what if I need direction in the toilet factory? Where my friend was, he said he heard from God out on the, on the, on the, you know, in the orchard. What about if he needed direction while he was making toilets? <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous to think that so many Christians are still bound up with that. They're still waiting for some kind of celestial, not, not literally, but, but the idea of God directing them is, is sort of an un- otherworldly idea that if he's going to direct me and he's there and I'm here and I'm going to hear I'm going to hear you know harp music and it's going to be kind of a foggy situation smoky and and things are going to kind of shake and quake he will be in you well that's that's where he's going to lead you right in here right in here glory to God oh hallelujah where does he speak like I said he speaks in you He's, God's not a ventriloquist. You know what a ventriloquist does? A ventriloquist, as you know, is somebody that tries to throw his voice somewhere else. So you won't think it's coming from him. You know, a ventrilo- he's got a dummy on his hand, you know. And if he's really, if a ventriloquist is really good, you know, he can talk without moving his mouth and and, and, he's, and he's trained his vocal cords and stuff, you know, to where he, he can talk. Very, if he's really good, he can talk without even moving his mouth. And, and, he, treat, and he talks in a, in a different kind of sound of voice. And you think that voice is coming out of that dummy. Well, if God's in you, why would he be a ventriloquist and try to throw his voice somewhere else? Most people are looking to dummies. <laughs> they are. They're looking to dummies for direction. He's not speaking through dummies. He's speaking through you. Right on the inside. Amen. Oh, glory to God. In Romans 8 here, in verse 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits. That's how he does it. This is how he leads. He bears witness with our spirits. Like I said, some people struggle for years and, they're, and they live, some people have lived all of their Christian life and never really been sure, never really been confident on their ability to hear from God. And, and again, it's because they, they, it's never clicked. I teach on it every few years, but, and every time I do, a few more people get it. It begins to click. And they go through life just hearing what I'm saying and trying to figure that out. And the the reality is when the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit, it's a real simple thing. Just a real simple. 
It's not, it doesn't have flashing lights associated with it. No sirens go off. No, no unusual feelings vibrate through your body. Uh, it's, it's just, a, it's just a, a simple witness. that uh, Where it says bears witness with, the original Greek, the, the, a better translation is bears joint testimony with. In other words, your spirit, whenever, whenever God wants to direct you in something, he caught his spirit testifies in, inside your spirit. There's a joint testimony and suddenly your spirit and his spirit are one in, in, in that direction. In other words, let me say it this way. When, when there's a joint testimony, you got what the God, Holy Ghost has got. In that moment, right then, you got it. His direction is suddenly your direction. His knowing is your knowing. His sense of what, of what he wants you to go was suddenly your sense of where to go, what to do. You just suddenly have the same sense about it that God does. Well, when that happens and, and you get that witness, that's it. That's it. Act on it. Just go ahead and act on it. Just go ahead, square your shoulders, take a big old gulp, and just act on that. Because that's how it comes. That's the, that's the, the 90%, 85 to 90% of the way God deals with us. He deals with us with that inward witness. When it happens, act on it. Once, you, once you've done that a few times, you'll go, golly. Is that really, that really was, that's so simple. That is so simple. That is so simple. Don't let it be a letdown. Like I said, God has a unique way of leading his children that's not available to anybody else. Why is that not available to anybody else? They don't have the Holy Spirit in them. The guy that's sitting on the beach, you know, over on in, in, you know, in West Florida, he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. He can imagine all kinds of feelings about it, sitting there watching the sunset, but he doesn't have God's Spirit in him. And God's not going to talk to him out of that sunset. He has one way, one way, only one way, just one way, and it's consistent. In my life, in my life, the biggest, most important decisions I've ever made that proved to be God's hand and God's lead, all, I would say almost all of those directions, all the leading in almost every one of those cases was just a real simple, excuse me, real simple, real simple, real simple. Everybody say simple. A real simple witness that you could argue with. You can argue with it. You can question it. It, it. it doesn't take you over. It doesn't knock you off your feet. Suddenly, whoo. It's just, it's just real simple. It's a witness. It's just a sense, an, a, an inward knowing, an inward intuition. And when it comes, God just spoke. He just spoke to you. Act on that. If you'll start doing that, 
you'll find God is, is directing you in a lot of stuff. You get to the place like I have where you're going, you're going through life and, and something comes up. And I just say, Lord, uh, is that right? Is that what I'm supposed to do? And right on the inside, immediately, yep. You know, the Lord says, yep. Y-E-P, he says that. Yep. Nope. Okay. Yep. Okay. I've learned to say, all right. That's what, that, yep. yep. Lord, is, is that right? Yep, okay. He, he, he doesn't owe you a, a, a full orchestra. <laughs> because, because to provide the orchestra is going to lead you in a wrong direction you're going to be listening to certain chords you're not going to act unless you get a, you know, a sweet sounding music to you in your ears well the devil's a musician too no yep nope well what about that Lord it's not what I want you to do okay just a, a witness and then the second thing that's closely associated with that is the inward voice. The inward witness and the inward voice are very closely related. Most of the time it's just a witness. But every now and then, it, it, your voice, you know, your spirit has a voice. Your spirit, the best way to understand that is the voice of your mind is what? What's the voice of your mind? Reason. Isn't that right? Think about it. Reason is the voice of this thing. Your mind starts thinking about all the reasons this way, that way, that. The reason is the voice of your mind. What's the voice of your body? Feelings. Yeah. Just punch somebody in the gut and they certainly, their body has a voice. Right? And feelings is the voice of the body. Conscience is the voice of our spirit. Conscience. Our conscience is the voice of our spirit. Sometimes your conscience, you'll speak up on the inside and it'll actually give you direction. In other words, more than a little bit more than a, 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 a prompting or a, or a witness, sometimes your, your spirit will talk to you and give you an actual answer in sentence form. That's what I'm talking about. It, the Old Testament referred to, referred to the still, small voice. The still small voice. Well, that's what that is. Sometimes your your spirit will will just. A lot of times I'll I'll ask the Lord something, and and the answer I'll get will just will be in a sentence form. But it it's usually not a paragraph. It's it's usually just something real short, real brief. Just something real short, real brief that I can handle. I remember when my wife had this growth on her throat back when when was that in the 80s 86 she found this this knot growing on her on her throat going around on her neck and and she went to the doctor and she had a tumor and uh of course the devil immediately starts bombarding bombarding her mind because they didn't know if it was cancerous or not could be thyroid cancer it was, it was a, a, a tumor in her thyroid and so the devil starts his yakety yakety yak 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 and uh i was praying about it and the Lord, you know, it, it, it was the Lord, but it was my spirit. I, I realized that. It wasn't in that strong, reverberating, you know, voice of God, because he can do that. It's, it's unusual. That's, a, that's an unusual way 
for the Lord to speak to you is with that authoritative voice of the Holy Ghost. When that happens, it stops you in your tracks. When the Holy Ghost speaks to you that way, he can, and, and he, he will on occasion, perhaps. I think a lot of people go through life and there's never any need for it. But uh, I've had the Holy Spirit speak that way before and it's, it suddenly stops you. But that's not what I'm talking about. Just my, the Holy Spirit said this to my spirit and my spirit said it. He said, tell your wife to have the surgery. Everything will be okay. It's benign. She'll live to, to a ripe old age. That's what he told me in 86. She's getting riper ever since. <laughs> She's more ripe now than she was then. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was out here. It's just that I heard that on the inside. I just heard those, that, that little, those little two sentences. So I went in and I told her. And it just, oh, it just solved everything. Oh. So she went and had the surgery. Of course, it was benign. Everything was okay. But... He, he, he has a way of, of dealing with us that's unique to us and it's available to the simplest among us. Would it be fair for God to speak to us and have some, uh, some way that you would have to be, you know, uh, very mature and a deeply experienced Christian to be able to perceive? How would you ever get there? How would you ever achieve that level? If, you, if it was something that was so, so uh, arcane and so complex and so deep that, that it, you know, it, took only the, it was only available to the most discerning among us and the most spiritual among us, that wouldn't be fair. And, and it would be counterproductive. God, God would be hurting himself by putting it on such a level because half, half, 99% of the children would never make it. Like it could never be led. He'd be out, you know, doing the ventriloquist thing, talking through dummies. No, it's, it's, it's real simple. It's available to a baby Christian. It's available to a baby Christian. They're born again, and right on the inside, they can know. They just need to be taught where to listen. Well, praise the Lord. We'll talk about it more. God bless you. Hallelujah. We're living in a time, we're living in, a, in, a, in an era right now where being led of the Spirit is as important as it possibly can be. It is just so important right now that, that people be led by the Spirit, that we all know the inward witness. Learn to recognize it. Don't let it, listen, it is so gentle, it'll blow right by you or you'll blow right by it, however you want to say it. It's so gentle, you can ignore it. And just go right on saying, Lord, give me a sign. Lord, give me a sign. Or in your everyday life, when you're not looking for direction, suddenly you'll just know what to do. It's so gentle, you can go right by it, and the next thing you know, you're in trouble. Next thing you know, you've, you've done, pulled something, you've, you've been somewhere, you've gotten into a situation, and then you go, oh, yeah, something said not to come over here today. We, we need to get in the habit of not letting those things slip by us. Get in the habit of acting on them. It won't hurt you. It'll help you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.